0: Welcome to another episode of The Literacy Advocate. Our guest today is Zach Hartman. Zach is a social studies and English learner teacher in the Bronx, and he's also the founder of Hey Listen Games. Um, today, we're going to talk about how video gaming supports literacy. So Zach, you recently told me that One of the things that you wish that people would start doing is understanding that there are various types of readings, Mm -hmm. um, besides just novels and and articles, Mm -hmm. and you have quite an interesting way that you approach it with your students. Can you talk to our listeners about that?
1: Yeah, so for several years now, Mm -hmm. I've been using video games in a lot of my courses and my curriculum, my units. Um, I always, in my tenure as being a teacher, I've always tried to find ways to incorporate elements of pop culture into my classroom, just to relate with my students in any way possible. And just because I'm huge into pop culture myself. And gaming has been a massive part of my life since three, four years old, um, ever since I got that first Nintendo entertainment system. Um, and a ton of our students, especially nowadays, are gamers, right? There's the vast majority of students play video games in some capacity. And I wanted to bring in that aspect of their lives into the classroom since, since we should be meeting our students where they're at, we should be utilizing the skills that they already have at home in some capacity in the classroom. And when people think of teaching with video games, they're all, like, I always, when I was in school, it was, oh, the or- Oregon Trail or Math Blaster, or these, or Reader Rabbit or like games that were specifically tailored to try and teach you something but those are all usually kind of shallow or surface level. They're not fun. (laughs) Um, And kids know that they're not fun and that they're being tricked. Uh, So when I teach with video games, I just bring entertainment games that were made for entertainment purposes. And I just incorporate them into my units as a supplement to what I'm already teaching as, and they're just just another text. So the same way that you would teach with a book or with a poem or a short story or a movie or a comic. I just bring in a game as a text and it's just one of the modalities uh, that I engage with my students.
0: Mm-hmm. So how do you come up with um, the games that you use? Like, How do you fit the games to whatever skill or strategy you want your students to, um, to use more? And, and can you talk to the listeners about your um, demographic so they'll understand a little bit better why you unpack it this
1: way? So I, I teach in the Bronx in New York city at a, it's a title one school and it's a 100% immigrant English language learner population. So while I teach social studies, I also have to teach them English as a, as language. Um, and because of that, I can't just give them articles and documents and primary sources because that they need to access and engage with the language in every possible way. So that's, it's reading, that's writing, that's listening, that's speaking. Um, And gaming lets them read, because I always play with subtitles. So it lets them read, lets them listen, and it lets them speak while they're talking with each other all at the same time. And they actually get to engage with what's happening in the story. So I found that it's a great way for them to engage with language. Um, And because of that, I now, in most units, will try to find one game that I can bring into my classroom. That That I teach alongside whatever other texts I'm using, so I don't teach global history anymore, but when I did teach global history and we were doing you know World War I, one of the texts that we used was the video game Valiant Hearts, the Great War and it's it's a narrative game and it's about four to five hours long, and you play through you play as various characters during World War One you play as a person in the French army, you play as a German who's Uh, drafted by the the German military, you also play as a nurse uh, during the war. So that game itself hits on multiple multiple perspectives of the war. So
0: I think that one thing that's not, well, something that's not understood when it comes to video games, often when you're not a gamer, is that video games are narratives. They're Mm -hmm. stories, they unfold over time. There's a clear sequence of events um, there's an identifiable plot, you know, it takes, it happens over a series of time. Um, I remember my brother, when we were younger, he always, um, played Tomb Raider.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I remember now after speaking to you how that story unfolded with Laura Croft, mm-hmm. um, and how he had to infer and I would hear him talking to himself like, well, I wonder because this was here and I wonder if this moves here and just the rigor of thought yeah, that's required to move from level to level.
1: And that's, and even, so if we look even look at more modern Tomb Raider, the wonderful thing about more modern video games is that they're, not all of them, but a lot of them are starting to be built with accessibility in mind. So it's not just easy mode, normal mode, hard mode. You can now tailor video game experiences to the player. So, even if someone is not traditionally a gamer, you could make the game tailor to that person that makes it quote unquote easier or but it's really just a different access point, the same way that we differentiate our materials in the classroom.
0: Right, right. I think that this is genius because it's really popular both among both men, young men and young women, boys and girls, gaming is a huge industry uh, my ten year olds Plays uh, Roblox, Minecraft. Um, it's it's like a code to me because I'm not a gamer. But the way that you unpack it and parallel it to teaching literacy, it makes total sense to me. Pairing a video game with the text, just like you would pair a nonfiction text with a fiction text, mm-hmm. it makes sense. And you also mentioned using the subtitles. That's actually a strategy that I. Recommend when um, children are finding their reading to be a bit of a challenge to put the subtitles on when when they're watching television, and I found that my students they come with their word journals full of words that they've collected from television.
1: Yeah, my students do the same thing.
0: Yeah, just watching television, and so I think that it's amazing how you've processed all of that in a way to process it and be able to share it with others through. Um, hey, listen, do you want to talk to the audience about that?
1: Yes. So when I originally started, uh, or when I initially thought about bringing video games into my classroom, uh, the, I went to my principal and I brochure that there was a game I wanted to teach with at the time it was this game called the Republia Times, which is you're, you're put, you're in charge of the newspaper of a dictatorship, fictional dictatorship country. And you control the headlines, what people see on the front page. And basically, it was incorporated into a unit on propaganda and media literacy. And she was like, I trust, she see, she, she had already seen me teach with comics and movies and all the other aspects. So she trusts me to do it. She was like, just show me the lesson plan. So the second she said that, I went online looking for ideas and I noticed that there are pretty much zero lesson plans or curriculum out there for entertainment-based video games. There's a lot of resources out there for educational video games, but nothing when it comes to entertainment games. Whereas there are resources out there for if you want to teach with movies, plenty of teachers have shared their own resources in that regard, Um, but next to nothing for video games. So I started making my own lesson plans, and as those activities went well, I started making more lesson plans, and eventually, just in talking with other teachers, not there are, there are a ton of people who are interested in teaching with video games, but don't know exactly where to start or how to start. So I made Hey Listen Games just as a place where where to start. So all of my lesson plans, my handouts, my slides, my curriculum, everything is up there for free. Um, so any, anyone can go there and just see everything that I've taught with video game wise. And there's probably, I don't know, like 40 different lessons there, ranging from social studies to English language arts to some social emotional Learning lessons uh, that I use for my advisory class, and a couple of science—not really any math because I don't—I'm not that familiar with the content. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. math games tend to be more educational and not necessarily fun. Right. Um, but it's all there for anyone who wants.
0: And and it's teacher friendly. Like there, you don't have to really, you know, rack your brain to figure out how you could use it. You pick up the lesson plan. You think about what you're teaching, and and it's there for you the way you roll out out the lessons. Yeah.
1: And, plenty, uh, and I know plenty of people have used my exact handouts, but I also know plenty of teachers have just used my lesson plans and handouts as a starting point and they just changed them, modified them to fit their classroom, which right. is, is perfectly fine, right? I'm just there to give you ideas.
0: Absolutely. So what would you say is the biggest challenge that a teacher might have with bringing um, entertainment gaming into their instructional practice?
1: A question I get a lot is how you afford it. So an important point is that 90% of the games, you only need one copy. If a game is free and playable on a web browser, sure, then have every student in the class play it because it's probably shorter anyway. But for any bigger game, I don't have students play individually. Pre-COVID, when I was still in my classroom, I would just project it in the front of the room. So I would either use my computer or... One of my personal consoles, I would just usually my Nintendo Switch. I would just bring to school and just connect it to the screen in the front, and have one student play at a time while the rest rest of the class watches and discusses about what's happening or giving advice to the student who's playing. And then they just rotate as needed or as how however they wanted to rotate. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't need to be every single person in the classroom has to play. uh, The same way that not everyone needs their own copy of a movie when you watch a movie together as class or a documentary. Right. Um, so it's not that big of a barrier cost of entry. If you already have a console and you're pretty much already set. Um, and then for any teachers who are not necessarily gamers, just learning the tech is probably the biggest struggle because there is a tech literacy that comes with understanding how to play the game, but then also understanding how to set it up to play for everyone. Yes.
0: Yes. And speaking of the tech literacy, you know, we had an interesting conversation when we spoke before about um, just operating the controller. And I mentioned to you that I don't think I have the right thumbs for video gaming. And you explained to me how there's a whole science behind using a controller.
1: I mean, there's an entire literacy to it for me i don't think about holding the controller because i've been holding one since i was three years old but for anyone who hasn't i've a lot of my students have never touched games before because they're from various parts around the world and they just didn't have access to gaming so they come here and my controller is the first controller they hold and it will take a while for them to learn the various inputs i mean there's a ton of different buttons on the controller One analogs that controls the person, whereas the other one controls the camera around the person. So there's a lot to work around with the controller, which is why not everyone needs to play. Not everyone will want to play. Not everyone will want to play in front of others. Mm -hmm. Some will jump at the opportunity to play for the first time, and then you can have other students in class help them navigate the controller. I usually have like a co-pilot student who's there helping them with the inputs when needed. So
0: you're also meeting um, speaking and listening standards as well. Yeah, and since my students speak in
1: different, languages, since my students' native languages are all different, right, having them teach, even if it's one of my students from Dominican Republic teaching one of my students from West Africa how to use a controller, they are now engaging in in English because that's the only way they can communicate.
0: Exactly, and they're collaborating as well in in a range of settings. Um, Before we um, go, I want you to share a story that I found to be really special in our conversation about the impact that your gaming instruction has had on students who have gone through college and scholarships and things like that. Um, I think that that's just amazing. And I would like you to share that with our listeners.
1: Sure, so I've, this one student in particular, um, who the thing about my school is that a lot of my students are overage because they it's a transfer school and because they need to learn English, they, they tend to move here and then start high school over back in the ninth grade. In order to learn English, in order to pass the New York State English Regents exam, which is a graduation requirement, at least for now it is. COVID times has changed everything. Um, But I have one student. I had one student from the Dominican Republic. He was a senior in his high school in the DR, and he ended up and he moved here and he went back to ninth grade. So he was already 18 in the ninth grade, and by the time he and he's extraordinarily bright, intelligent kid. Um, He by his sophomore year, he was already fluent in English. Um, he just catches on quick, but he refuses to write. So he had passed the English Regions the year prior without actually completing one of the essays. He just did so well in the multiple choice that he was able to pass the exam without writing an essay. And he would never write, or he would write bare bones in my history classes because I had him four years in a row. And I eventually he was one of the kids why I started using gaming, why I started using video games. And in his senior year, this is two years ago, I started an elective course in my school, just an ELA elective class where we would look at two video games. The two that we used were called Gone Home and What Remains of Edith Finch. And we analyzed the literary elements in Uh, Rhetorical devices used in the video games the same way that any of them would in their ELA class with books or short stories or poems and so on. So we're doing the same skill set just applied to video games. And in that class, he flourished. He started writing pages for me um, whenever I assigned a writing, even if it was paragraph, he would write more than that. He would write a review for the game. And because of that class, he started looking at game development programs and various colleges and eventually and he got accepted to a couple of them but one of them he got a full ride scholarship to marist university which is really and it's one of the better game development programs in the country so this was a student who did the bare minimum he wanted to pass his classes he wanted to graduate he was going to find a job he was always unsure about college um and now he's there on a full ride and he still texts me almost every single day um just giving me updates about how that program is going
0: That's amazing. And I'm looking forward to uh, seeing video gaming, entertainment wise, coming into literacy classrooms everywhere. Um, because you know, connecting with students and meeting them where they are is definitely critical to their success and understanding that there's various types of literacies, not just overall literacy and reading, writing basics. Um, so can you tell our listeners how they can connect with you if they would like to find out more about how they can get into bringing this into their classrooms?
1: Yes, so I'm I'm fairly active on Twitter. You can follow me at heylistengames underscore. Don't forget the little underscore at the end. Um, some other account that's been inactive for like a decade mm-hmm. has the handle that I want, but it's okay. Um, you can also, go to heylistengames.org, there's a contact form. If you prefer to shoot me an email instead of using Twitter, you can go to the site and contact me there. And then also if you want, uh, there is a blog of sorts on my site on Hey Listen Games where I don't, and it's not too often, it's just whenever I do make a new lesson or a new curriculum, I will uh, write up a post explaining my rationale for that specific game and how it should be used, attaching my lesson plan and handouts and everything to that post. Um, So if you wanted to subscribe, you could subscribe to that. And then you'll like probably once a month, once every month or two, you'll get an email um, saying that I've added new materials to the site.
0: Okay, thank you for being with us this evening, giving us uh, some of your time. I know that this is a busy time winding down, getting ready for, you know, the next part of our school year. So thank you so much for being with us and sharing this wealth of information um, on the topic of gaming uh, with our listeners.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, thanks. Have a good night.